Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join Pastor Paul Carlson for today's message. Let me tell you something. The Word works. God's Word works. And when we take His Word and apply it to the circumstances of life, I'm telling you what, we're going to come out on top. When you do that, I'll tell you this, there's going to be times when it looks like you're not, it's not working. Have you ever noticed that? There's going to be times when you take God's Word and you apply it to your life, and it looks like nothing's working right. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. I'm telling you this, if you build your life on the Word, it'll cause you to rise up in every circumstance, every situation. You're going to come out in the end of it all. When the dust settles, you're going to be standing there in the victory. Woo! I'm telling you what, you'll get tempted. You'll get tempted. I'm telling you this, when I teach messages like the series we're on now about dealing with tests and trials, I remember years ago one time I was doing this, I was going through the book of James, I think then too, maybe a little different angle, but Dana says, Paul, when are you going to quit teaching on dealing with trials and tests and temptations? She says, I'm done dealing with those things. Because I'm telling you, you get tested, tempted, and tried. But I'm telling you what, as you get, get to where you're putting the word to work in all these areas, it'll cause you to rise up. There's nothing, nothing, nothing that the word isn't going to get you over and get you through. Not a thing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Preach it. Yeah, it's the word. It's good. Glory. So we've been reading this scripture to start off. I just kind of dig it. It's 1 John 5, 4. It's a good diving board into the things that we're talking about. It says this, that whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. I love that. That's a champion statement. It says that whatever is born of God isn't going to just barely squeak by. It says that whatever is born of God has something inside them that's going to cause them to be a champion. I'm telling you, this is better than eating a box of Wheaties. I'm telling you this, that whatever is born of God is going to overcome the world. Wow. Do you got a champion living on the inside of you? Woo! Woo! Might do one of them counterclockwise runs myself today. You never know. All right, Mary, you're with me. (laughs) Here's the deal. The first thing we talked about, and we were, you know, going through the book of James chapter 1. And and I got to tell you that if you're going through, you know, temptations, tests, and trials, challenges of life, I'm telling you this, you're not alone. They happen to everybody, okay? Um, You know, junk happens. Rain falls. When it falls, everybody gets wet. I don't care if you were naughty or nice. If the rain has fallen, you get wet, okay? But what I'm telling you about is some Holy Ghost umbrellas. What I'm telling you about is some shelters when there's a storm going on. And the first thing that we talked about is the joy gauge. We talked about when trials and tests are coming your way. You know, that doesn't mean that you're laughing, you know, because you're in a trial, but you're laughing and you're, you're causing joy. You're tapping into the joy inside you because you're looking beyond the problem. It's a great gauge because I'm telling you what, when problems come, they can tend to just envelop you. They can tend to just take over every part of your being. They can tend to totally monopolize your thoughts. 
And when that happens, you begin to get the Eeyore complex. You know what the Eeyore complex is? If you've ever watched, you know, who was the guy? Winnie the Pooh. Isn't that it? Yeah. How could I forget? My goodness, some kids watched them movies over and over when I was... Anyway, uh, but Eeyore was this old donkey that never had a, a bright perspective on life. He'd always walk around with his head hung low, and sometimes he didn't even have his tail put on right. But um, I'm telling you, some people can get like that. They walk around, and everywhere they go, it's, Woe is me. Oh, life is looking dark, I'm telling you. Let me tell you, that is a, a sure sign that you've taken your eyes off the answer and you've put them on the problem. So simple. You know what? You know in the world, when problems are discovered, you know, like if a company is, is, is um, you know, examining themselves and they see problems, they don't get bummed out about problems because anytime you find a problem in your life or in your company, that is an opportunity to do better. Because you can change something and you can live life in a higher place than you've been living. So if you've been walking around with that Eeyore complex, looking around and life's been looking gray and you've been talking negative and you, know, you hear me talking right now and, and I'm telling you, hey, that's a problem. Say, glory to God. I'm rejoicing over that because I see that I can change. I can look up. I can see beyond the problems that are so big and the, you know, the lions roar. And I'm telling you, that's all I can hear. But I'm looking beyond it now. I'm seeing some victory. I'm seeing that I'm an overcomer and that my faith you know, in God's word is going to cause me to rise above this situation. Situations come to everybody. You know, what, if, what if a situation comes? Does that mean I'm out of the will of God? What do you mean a situation? I mean a, a, a negative circumstance in life. You know, bad thoughts, bad, you know, happenings. Does that mean I'm out of the will of God? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It could mean you're right in the middle of the will of God. Most times, you know, when, when I've taken a stand for something God told me to do, I've had opposition come against me. You can't be moved by the things that are coming against you and determining if it's the will of God because if you do, you'd be a yo-yo. I didn't name names. Okay, I just said this, that you'll go up and down like a roller coaster. You'll never have stability in your life if you're, if you're basing and gauging your life on all the exterior things that are going on. You've got you to gotta base your life on the Word. You've got to base your life on, on the promptings of the Holy Ghost proven out by the Word. Okay, you know, you get, you get little promptings on the inside. I'm telling you this, just check them out with the Word. Make sure they're not, you know, they're not loony. Okay, they're not off base. Just have a, have a filter, I like to say. Run things through your filter. You know one of my filters is? Is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. I like to run everything through that and say, does this line up? Does that, does that sift right? Ha, there's some good sifting. All right, so joy gauge. We said this, are you going through a problem? Ask for wisdom. James 1.5 says, if any of you are needing wisdom, ask of God because he'll give it to you liberally and he won't upbraid you. And that just simply means this, that God's going to give you the wisdom when you ask him and he won't make you feel dumb for asking. That's what upbraiding is. It means like, have you ever asked somebody a question and they give you the answer, but when they do it, you feel kind of dumb? That's being upbraided. God doesn't do that kind of stuff. He doesn't pull that trick. You know, he doesn't come to you and make you feel low. He comes to you and he lifts you up. 
and he'll give you the wisdom you ask for. You need to always rely on the Holy Ghost. You need to always rely on him in every situation. Don't come into any situation and think, well, I've got this all figured out. I've been here before. I can do this again. No. Well, that may be true, and that may be some strength, but I'm telling you, your real strength comes from asking God, what do I do here? How should I approach this in life? I mean, you know, if you're going to tie your shoes, you don't need to sit and have a prayer meeting and say, should I put this bow around here and tie? I'm not, you know, come on, don't get goofy. Oh, you know, what should I wear today? <laughs> I'm going to call the intercessors out. Should I wear blue or red? Oh, no, 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 no. But I'm telling you, when challenges come to life, you know, you know, be humble. Be humble. Don't be a know-it-all. But go before God and say, hey, how can I, how can I even apply the word in this situation? What's unique about this? How can, I, how can I rise above? God is a master at giving you the plan to rise above. So ask for wisdom. I'm going to promise you this this morning. I'm not going to get so wrapped up in the review that I don't go forward with the message. But sometimes the reviews are exactly what people need. Because they never come out the same. They never come out quite the same. And, and hey, glory to God. What did I say at the beginning today? We're going to endeavor to follow the Holy Ghost no matter what. So, hey, if I have to throw... I remember one time I was doing a funeral. <sighs> I'm not a real funeral preacher. I, don't, I haven't done many. I don't, you know, I don't want to do a whole lot because I'm believing for everybody to have a long life. But I remember I was doing a funeral once about 10 years ago. And, and I'm telling you what, during that funeral, there was a move of God. Dana sit out in the crowd and she saw the glory cloud come rolling in. And I didn't see it with my eyes, but I, could, I knew it was there. And I'm telling you, we had different ministers, you know, get up and say some things, and none of us knew each other, you know? This person was, you know, had an influence in a, different, a lot of different areas, and different people had influenced them, and so different people were sharing. And I'm telling you, I just got up, and I was, it was my turn to speak. I was officiating it, and I got up and I started going through my notes. I got about a half a page in. I literally took my notebook and threw it over my shoulder. I said, forget it. We're going to go with the Holy Ghost. And it was in a Lutheran church. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we just go with him. All right, you need to stay single-minded. Single-minded, that doesn't mean you shouldn't get married, okay? Single-minded means this, that your mind doesn't go on the Word when you're in church, and then you get home, and it, it goes another way. You start thinking God thoughts, you know, when you're in your prayer closet, but then you start thinking defeat thoughts when you're out there facing the world. Keep your mind single. Keep it set on what God said. Keep it set on the answer. Being single-minded. James said, you know, if you're double-minded, you can't expect to receive anything from God. Have you ever, I've been double-minded before. Have you ever been double-minded? We all have. And James is a pastor. He's telling people words of life that are going to help them face the giants in their life and help them, you know, in some of these cases, they're facing the lions. But he's saying, I'm telling you information here that could save your life, that could definitely put your feet on a higher place. He says, keep your mind stayed on Jesus. Keep it stayed on the Word of God. We talked about persevering, persevering with our tongue. Again, not letting our tongue speak one thing in church and another thing outside of church, but speaking the answer, speaking the Word all the time. I'm telling you, that's a, that's a recipe for victory. 
The fifth thing is what we got to at the end of the service last week, and I had more to say, and this is where we're going to go to today because it's too important to just breeze over. The fifth thing when you're facing trials and tests and temptations is this, and that is don't blame God. Don't blame God. Pastor, I've heard that before. I'm telling you, we're going to hear it again today. Because we're setting our sights on a prize. We're making adjustments. Have you ever driven in a car on a windy day? I'm telling you this, as you walk through life in this year, what is the year, 2012? I'll date this tape. 2012, when you're walking through life, there's winds that are blowing. And those winds are trying to knock you off course. When you're driving in a car on a windy day, I'm telling you what, you can't just set the thing on, on autopilot and think you're going to get to where you're going to go. You know, you are constantly making adjustments as you drive a car on a windy day. And if you're like me, when you're driving a car like you're driving from here to Minneapolis down 94 and you're going through nap, you're feeling some winds. <laughs> it happens. And if you're like me, the first thought in my mind is, ah, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my car? It's, it feels like it's wanting to go all over the road. And then I look at all the other cars and I think, boy, they don't look like they're having the same kind of problems I'm having. But then I start looking at trees and stuff like that and I see, oh, there's some winds out there. I'm going to tell you something. As you go through life, it always looks like the other person has it all together. Yes. All right? But I've got to tell you this. When you're that other person, you're facing the same kind of winds. Okay? Everybody face winds. I, I, you know, I didn't watch that funeral yesterday from that, that pop star Whitney Houston that, that, that had passed away. I, I hope she was a Christian. I believe, you know, very, you know, but, but I, I did, I, I clipped a YouTube of, of a little bit of it that Kevin Costner was saying. And the only reason I bring it up is this. He was talking about her when she auditioned for, for this movie. And, and this girl, from what I know, I'm so out of it, but I, I know she was extremely talented had a great voice, and, and, and the world looked at her and put her on a pedestal. But Kevin Costner said when she applied for this thing, she had so much insecurity standing out, and she didn't think that she was going to get the part. And, and it, that just blows me away, but you know what? It really doesn't because the devil is mean. The devil says the same kind of lies to every person. And, you know, most people would look at someone and say, oh, they've got it all together. They don't have any kind of insecurity. They don't have the kind of thoughts that I have. I'll tell you this, everybody fights these kind of battles. Everybody thinks they don't quite measure up. Everybody else's prayer life seems like it's a little bit more anointed. Everybody else's faith life seems like it's a little more in line and God hears them a little better. But I'm telling you what, you have to stand up in your earth suit and you have to apply the Word of God to your life. Hey, whoa, you're a lively bunch this morning. <laughs> All right, James 1.13, it says this. This is what James said to the people. Again, James is a pastor. You know, uh, it's, maybe, it's always been one of my favorite books and I'm a big Paul fan, you could probably tell, right, in the New Testament. <laughs> I love the Pauline revelation, but, but just reading books in the New Testament, I've always loved reading James. 
It's got a lot of practical wisdom. It's like the Proverbs of the New Testament. And James, you know, is a pastor. He's given stuff to people that they need to live life. I've always felt this, that the Word of God is something that helps you live life. It isn't just some religious thing that, oh, have you seen my Bible? <laughs> it's like three feet wide and five foot long, and it, it sits on the coffee. I had to get a new coffee table because this Bible's so big, and, you know, I keep it dusted. And No, that's not what the Bible's about. You know, I don't care if you have emeralds on your Bible or, or gold or any of that kind of stuff. I'm telling you what, the Bible's full of words that'll give you life, that'll help you live in this world. It'll help you live a, a life that, that, that isn't just going to be a waste. Thank God for this man that, that followed God that's in heaven now. You know, can you imagine the kind of things he's hearing and experiencing? Wow. You know? Well, what would it be like? I don't, honestly, I don't know exactly. I've read some things, but, you know, I know this, man. It's cool. It's cooler than anything I've ever seen on the earth. I mean, you're, you're walking up there and you're seeing Jesus. You know, and, and I heard Billy Graham say this one time. He says, the one thing I want is when I get before him that he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And I heard Billy Graham said that, say that, and I thought, wow, what chance do I have if Billy's only hoping that he says that? But anyway... <laughs> I shook it off and said, hey, I'm sure he's facing the same kind of winds I am. Glory to God. But James said this. He said, let no man say when he's tempted. Again, the word tempted in the Greek, you know, if you looked it up in Greek concordance, it's a tested, tempted, tried. Sometimes it means proven. Let no man say when he's tempted, tested, or tried that I'm being tempted, tested, or tried of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and neither does he tempt he any man. Now, that's really plain, isn't it? Why does James say that? Why am I saying it? Because it is a common temptation when people are going through hard times. Probably not you guys, but people do this. People will blame God for the situation that they're in. And James is telling us this. He says, man, that is a sure way to fail because God is not your enemy God is on your side we sang a song about that today but you know what it's more than a song there's a scripture about that but it's more than just some scripture this is a truth that'll cause you to be victorious in life God's on your side let's say it say God's on my side, on my side. I'm not going to fail who could be against me God's for me yeah. Woo. Glory. God's for us. God's for us. James says, man, don't get sidetracked in life. Don't go down some trail that's going to cause you misery. Where you go down this trail and you're just blaming God for every bad thing in your life when God's not the problem. That's a way to lose. James says, don't. When you're tempted, tested, or tried, don't be thinking that God's the one doing this. God isn't behind the curtain pulling some kind of string to make you miserable. He's not your enemy. He's there to help you to succeed. You know, God's the one. Jesus demonstrated it when Peter was walking on the water. Do you all remember that story? They're on a boat and Jesus had been left on, on the shore and they went out into the waters and in the nighttime, Jesus came walking on the water. Why'd he do that? I don't know, but it's cool. You know? 
I think I'd do it if I could do that. Walk on some water and that'd be all right. I, I've tried it. I filled the bathtub up and it didn't work for me. But, but if, I, if you needed to, I think God would probably, you know, you could do that kind of stuff. There's a guy in, in, in uh, Like a Mighty Wind. I forget where they were. Jane, where was that? Anyway, a missionary... I figured Jane would know. But uh, anyway, he, he, he had to go minister on the other side of, uh, of, of this place. That there was a big river in between that they, they, you know, they couldn't cross it. And he did. They walked across the water. They walked across it. They got to the other side. Those people received what he had to say. They said, wow, nobody's done that. Someone asked them years later, have you walked across the water lately? He says, well, no, since then they built a bridge. But... but um, Jesus walked on the water. Peter saw him walking on the water and said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. Jesus said to Peter, come. Peter stepped out of the boat. And as he began to walk on the water, he saw the winds and he saw the waves. And, and it says they were strong and fierce. And as he looked at those things, he began to sink. Have you ever begun to sink in your life? Well, Jesus isn't there to say, you sinker. Jesus, what he did is he demonstrated what God does in these things. He demonstrated what he does in these things. He walked up to Peter and took him by the hand and raised him up out of that pit. That's what God's wanting to do with you. He's not against you. He's for you. <sighs> Glory to God. I'm going to just read this one. John 10.10. 10. It says, The thief comes not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I came that they might have life. They might have it more abundantly. I want to look at Mark 1 for a minute, if we could. Mark 1, verse 40. We'll read verse 40 through 42. Um, this is a story of a, of a man who had leprosy. And this man, you know, was tormented by this disease. You know, I, I can't say I've seen a lot of lepers, but, but I know they were unclean in this time, and they weren't supposed to be out in public mingling with the crowd. Really, for Jesus to even touch him was, was breaking the law. But God's mercy will break down any law. His compassion for you, His compassion to cause you to rise up in life, I'll tell you, there's nothing that can stand in the way. This leper came to Jesus and, and says, I, I'll do like Stephen. I can read it right off the screen. <laughs> Beseeching him, kneeling down to him and said unto him, if you will, you can make me clean. You see, in life, people are paralyzed. People are captivated by their problems when they don't know that God's on their side. The thing that was keeping this leper from receiving his healing was the wonder are you for me or against me here? He recognized in Jesus, he recognized that Jesus was going around demonstrating God. He recognized that Jesus had the power, you know, that he could just command that leprosy to go from him. What he lacked in life was the knowledge of if Jesus wanted to or not. So he says to Jesus, he says, if you will, you can make me clean. And then you can flip on to 41. It says, and Jesus was moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and said unto him, I will be thou clean. Jesus answered the question for this leper. And when he did that, the next verse, read, let's read that. 
It says, as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. See, this is why James said, when you're going through problems, don't be thinking God is the problem. Don't be thinking that he's against you. Know this, he's for you. He wants to get you out of this thing. How many would say that leprosy could be considered a test, a temptation, or a trial? I'd say it could be. I've been sick and I've been healthy. Healthy's better. Okay? It's a lot better. God wants you well. God wants you healed. If there's any question in your mind about that, let me tell you something. That will be a hindrance. It'll be a hindrance to your victory. What are we talking about in these messages? We're talking about principles of victory. You see, not knowing what God wants to do in this situation, not knowing if God is for me or against me, if he's the answer or the problem, that is a hindrance to your victory. You need to know, you need to be single-minded on this. God's my answer. He's my victory. A book I, I, I refer to a lot, I've read it a number of times, is Christ the Healer. F.F. Bosworth, my opinion, probably one of the better books written on the subject of divine healing. And he said this, when a person is, is seeking healing until they're sure from the word of God that it's God's will to heal them, he said it's like they're trying to reap a harvest in a field where there's no seed been sown. <laughs> Speak, Lord. <laughs> um, if you're trying to get healed and you don't know it's the will of God for you to be healed, it's like a farmer going out to a field and trying to reap a harvest that there's been no seed sown in. Would that work? Now, I'm not even a farmer, but I know that wouldn't work. Isn't that right, Thompsons? It wouldn't work if you went out to a field and tried to reap a harvest and we didn't plant any seed in that field. You've got to know it's the will of God. The Message Bible, I'm just going to read you this one. You can listen. It says, if you want to, this is what the leper said to Jesus. If you want to, you can cleanse me. Deeply moved, Jesus put out his hand and touched him and said, I want to be clean. Isn't it good to know the want to? Want to's are so important in life. I want to, Jesus said. I want to. He said, be clean. Then the leprosy was gone and his skin was smooth and healthy. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Romans 8.31, we've referred to that a couple times. What, what should we say to these things? If God is for me, who could be against me? I'll tell you a story. There's a man um, named John Alexander Dowie, and uh, he lived quite a while back, 1900, early 1900s. And he's, he's, I've read his life story. I've read a couple books you know, about Dowie and he had a huge impact on a lot of people. He went off a little bit in his later years and got goofy. One man said this, you could follow his faith, but you couldn't always follow his doctrine. But I like what you can learn from some people like this. He, uh, he was actually arrested in Chicago for practicing medicine without a license because he had over 100 confirmed people being healed in his ministry. And he was his own lawyer, went and fought it in court, and he won. He was, a, he, was, he was a stubborn guy, good guy, stubborn with the word. But he was a, he was a pastor, and, uh, and this was 
boy, I didn't write it down, but I believe it was over in Australia that, that he was pastoring, Sydney. And um, if I'm wrong on that, forgive me, but I'm pretty sure it was. Anyway, this plague had swept through the area, and it, in, as a pastor, he'd buried 40 people from his church. That's devastating. That'd be awful. I mean, I, I can't imagine the kind of grief the guy was dealing with, you know? And, and he was crying out to God. Let me tell you, when you're having problems like that, that's a good thing to do, to cry out to God. There's a cry of, of the heart. There's a cry of faith. And I tell you, it reaches heaven. And Dowie, you know, as he was crying out to God, the, the Holy Ghost just revealed to him the scripture in Acts 10, verse 38. In Acts 10, 38 is, is an excerpt from a sermon that Peter was preaching in the house of Cornelius. Now, Peter, you know, <laughs> I love Peter. We would miss so many stories if it wasn't for Peter in the Bible, you know. And Peter, you know, he was one of the big three. He was with Jesus on, on all the closed-door conversations and saw all the miracles that we read about. And Peter, when he was preaching in the house of Cornelius, he said this in Acts 10.38. He said, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. When Peter, Peter said that, well, Dowie had this verse come to him. The Holy Ghost enlightened this verse to him. And what happened is, here in the middle of, of his house, Dowie's crying out to God about, you know, these people dying not just in his church, but in the whole area. Wondering, is this God? Is it the devil? I'll tell you, that kind of stuff happens. And the Holy Ghost showed him this verse, and he saw in it that it was Jesus that went about doing good, healing those that were oppressed of the devil. You see, sickness is an oppression of the devil. Now, I've got you know, to qualify this. Now, don't go out of here and think I said, if you're sick, you're devil-possessed. It's not what I said at all. Oppression is like a force that comes at somebody from the outside. Sickness is an oppression. It's an invasion of the devil. It's him coming onto property that he doesn't have a right to, God's property here, and trying to steal something that isn't his, which is health. And Dowie, Dowie saw this, and it was like, First of all, he saw it, he stood up on the inside, and he stood up on the outside, and he said, bless God, I have the answer. Bless God, I'm seeing that this is a work of the devil. Bless God, I'm seeing that healing is a work of God. As he's seeing this very thing, a knock came at his door, that this young girl in his church, her name was Mary, had the same disease, was on deathbed, and this person came to the door to, to get Brother Dowie to come and pray for her. Dowie walked out of his house, you know, in a different frame. He didn't walk out in a defeated mode. He walked out as a champion. He walked over to this house where this young girl was, was laid out in the bed. Her name was Mary. And he got down and he grabbed hold and he laid, laid, laid on her and, and prayed the prayer of faith. And bless God, she, she was raised up. She was raised up. Glory to God. I tell you what, when you know God's on your side, you approach life from a different angle. There's a different air about you. I'm telling you, you're not running from the devil. It's like one guy came up to Brother Hagin and says, yeah, I've been, I've been practicing my authority in Christ and I got the devil on the run. He says, the only problem is, is I'm running and he's chasing me. That's, that, 
that is not the authority that you want to stand in. The authority you want to stand in is this, that, that you're more than a conqueror. God is living in you. I'm telling you what, that, that there's nothing, there's nothing that can stand in your way. Nothing. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I wrote some other versions down. You know me. I like versions. J.B. Phillips said this. You must have heard now how God anointed it, uh, him with power of the Holy Ghost, of how he went about doing good, healing all who suffered from the devil's power. That's what Jesus' ministry was about. He went about doing good, yes. healing people. There's not one time, not one time, not one time that Jesus came up to someone and prayed that they'd be sick. I mean, if sickness is the will of God, really we ought to have prayer meetings and pray that people would get sick. And we are not doing that. We are not doing that. Isn't that right? What, what is, even people that don't believe in healing, they don't go praying for people to be sick. I hope. Healing is the will of God. Healing is the will of God. Glory to God. So we're talking about is what James said in, in, in chapter 1, verse 17. He says that when you're in the middle of a trial, when you're in the middle of a test, a temptation, being proven, your faith is being proven, don't in any way think that God is the source of the problem. God is behind the answer. Look, let's look in Luke 13, just for a moment this morning. Glory to God. I, I believe we're going to preach this whole message today. I've got to declare that at the beginning of every service. <laughs> Luke 13. Jesus was teaching in a synagogue on the Sabbath day in verse 10. It says, And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years, was bowed together and could no wise lift herself up. When Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, you're loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. Let me tell you something. Healing glorifies God. Yes. The, the, the glorification, God wasn't glorified when she was full of an infirmity that had gripped her for 18 years. Not that she didn't ever you know, bring any glory to God, but that condition did not bring glory to God. But when she was made straight, that condition brought glory to God. Sickness, you know, sometimes people get tripped up. I mean, whole ministries are based on this. That somebody had some kind of infirmity come in their life. And with that infirmity, they did great things for God. Now, what I would tell you is this. I'm so glad they did great things for God, but the infirmity did not enable them to do it. Okay? God didn't bring that infirmity so they could do great things for God. But sometimes when people are going through struggles... They'll do greatness. But sometimes people have seen these things. They've seen that, that well, you know, sister so-and-so, she, she was paralyzed. But man, did she reach the multitudes. No denying. Multitudes were reached. Glory, that brought glory to God. People's lives were changed. That's real. But the infirmity did not come from God. And that's not what caused them to be doing great things for God. They made decisions. 
whatever, you know, happened, they made decisions and they did that to glorify God. You can make a decision to glorify God and be healthy. Glory to God. There's lessons to be learned through hard things. But some things, you know, God can teach you the same things, you know, laying on the beach. I'm a beach lover myself. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> anyway. All right. So sickness does not come from God. Sickness, disease, you know, the hard things of life are not the blessings of God raining down upon you. All right. God is the one who redeems you. God is the one who lifts you out of these pits. God is on your side. So this woman was made straight and glorified God. And then it goes on in verse 14. It says, The ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work in them, therefore come and be healed. And not on the Sabbath day. I, I just want to add my own thought here. This is my own thought. I, I kind of doubt people were getting healed on the other six days in that church. Okay? But Jesus, you know, demonstrating the power of God. This woman glorifying God in her healing. Let me tell you, that stuff will stir up religious devils. Okay? Not everybody will cheer. Some people are, are ruled by religious kind of spirits and things like that. And they're not going to shout hip, hip, hooray when somebody gets healed like that. You know, even though this lady had this thing for 18 years. What a drag. 18 years this woman had been afflicted. But here, this day, she got healed and it was on the Sabbath. And Jesus said this in verse 16. Now pay attention to this. I'm sure that Peter was there. You know, he probably wasn't taking notes on his iPad, saying, oh, what's Jesus going to say here? But I'm telling you what, it made an impression on Peter. He took note of it because he's the one that stood in Cornelius' house, you know, years later, and said, Jesus went about doing good, healing those who were oppressed of the devil. Where'd Peter get these kinds of thoughts? He was here when this lady got healed. Jesus said, ought not this woman... Being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, lo, these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. So who had, who had the woman bound? Satan had her bound. Who was the one that set her free? Jesus set her free. And you know what? He'll do it on the Sabbath day. He'll do it on a Friday. You know, every day is a day of deliverance with Jesus happened to be on, on, a, on a Sabbath here. When he said these things, all, the peop, all, all his adversaries were ashamed. And all the people rejoiced for the glorious things which were done by him. Glory to God. They rejoiced. All right, so God's on your side. When trouble comes, he's not the enemy. He's the helper. He's the one where victory comes from. 1 John 3.8 it says this, it says, He that commits sin is of the devil, for the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the work of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the work 
of the devil. To put an end to the devil's bondage. I'm going to read this scripture, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Maybe one other we'll go back to. And it says in, in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, There's no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you're able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God is like an exit light in a room where there's disaster going on. You know, you're, you know things going on, maybe a bomb goes off. You're like, oh, how do I get out of here? If you can still function after the bomb goes off. But I mean, there's, there's debris everywhere. And how do I get out of this situation of life? Where's, where's the escape? God's the one that puts an exit light up and says, this is the way to go. Hallelujah. He makes a way of escape so that you and I can bear it. I'll end with this. James 1.17 Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness and neither a shadow of turning. Stephen read that earlier today. But every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights and there's no changing with him. It isn't one day he does good, the next day I'm going to give you some, you know, some bad stuff. No, every day is the same. No changing, not even a shadow of a turn. He's consistent. He's good all the time. God's on your side. Hallelujah. Like Paul said, God is for me. Who or what could be against me? Hallelujah. That's victory. That's victory. Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.